This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Good morning, everybody. It is seven minutes past nine o'clock here in Hayesville, North Carolina. And welcome to a Friday morning wake-up call, the 30th day of September 2022, last day of September. Dan Zampano coming up here in a few minutes. We're going to talk about last night's uh, Thursday night football game, obviously the injury uh, to Tua Tungavailoa, which was uh, frightening when you saw the, the way his hands were twisted and uh, you know, just a, a frightening thing to see last night. So Dan will be coming up here in a couple of minutes to talk about uh, last week's NFL games. Uh, we'll talk about uh, this week's uh, coming up games. There's uh, some good ones on the docket, and we'll get Dan's take on all those uh, coming up in a minute. Red Sox win last night. Not that it really matters at this point. The only thing the Red Sox have to look forward to is, you know, I guess if you're the Sox, you'd like to win the last six and finish at 500. I guess. I mean, I don't know. But one thing the Red Sox did do, I guess they can say that they uh, pretty much officially put an end to the Baltimore Oriole hopes of making the playoffs. Look, the Orioles have been a great story, no question about that. Uh, but now they are five games back of the last wild card spot with six games to play, so they would need a minor miracle uh, to get in. That is not going to happen. Uh, so uh, I guess if you're the Sox, you can say you played spoilers. Uh, it's been it's been that kind of year, and uh, now Red Sox fans are just looking forward to getting this year over and finding out what the Sox are going to do. And uh, number one on that list is what are they going to do with Xander Bogarts? I hope they pay the guy, quite frankly. I hope they keep him. I hope they pay him. I know there's some other big names coming up on the free agent market for shortstops, but I would much rather uh, just keep Xander Bogarts. Uh, he's, look, and I not only that, I think he should be the captain of the team. He's kind of the... Uh, I saw that they called him that this in a, in a globe article. They called him the de facto captain, and that's true. Uh, but uh, they haven't had a captain since uh, uh, Jason Veritek. And uh, I think Bogey should be it, and I think he should be there, and they should lock him up for another four, five, six years, and, and, look, and, and then we'll deal with it uh, when he gets older. Look, but he should be a guy like Derek Jeter. He came up in the system. This is a guy that should – be there. It doesn't happen much anymore in baseball, but Xander Bogarts is a guy the Red Sox should keep there for as long as he wants to be there. You know, there will be there will be some different conversations when he's 35, 36, 37 years old and if his his production drops off as it as it likely will just as it did with Derek Jeter. Uh but that's the guy they they've just they've got to keep him there. But we we shall see. The big news in baseball and everybody's talking about it. They talked about it on the Red Sox game the last couple of nights is who's going to be the most valuable player. And my I don't know whether there should even be a debate about this, but I guess when you look at it objectively, I suppose there should be, you know, part of it we have to understand is the the juggernaut New York media pumping up the candidacy of Aaron Judge, and let's be honest, it's not hyperbole. Aaron Judge has had one of the greatest seasons in the history of baseball. Uh, He's just the eighth guy to ever hit 60 home runs in a season, and he's one of the few that did it clean. 
right? I mean, that's the thing. Even Roger Maris's son said, you know, if Aaron Judge hits number 62, he should be the uh, single season home run leader. They should throw out these records of Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire and Barry Bonds who all did it cheating. They're not going to do that, but I get the sentiment. I absolutely get it. But look, Aaron Judge leads Major League Baseball in everything. Everything. Homers, runs, total bases, on-base percentage, slugging, OPS, extra base hits, the number of times on I mean, it's just it's what he has done is ridiculous. Because not only is he, I mean, hitting the home runs and 130 runs batted in, but he's hitting what, 313? It's remarkable. And anybody that listens to this show knows how much I dislike the New York Yankees. But, man, you've got to tip your cap to this guy. And not only that, you got to like the guy because he's humble. This isn't Reggie Jackson back in the 70s, the straw that stirs the drink. This is a guy who is humble and who looks like he's having a great time. You know, he's one of the guys, even if you hate the Yankees, you got to respect this guy because he's not a tool. You know? So, uh, you know, look, he's going to make a lot of money. It's going to be, I mean, back up the Brinks truck. I saw a thing today. They said, based on uh, what free agents have been getting on the market the last couple of years uh, or last several years, what Aaron Judge is doing this year should equate to about $88 million a year. <laughs> he's not going to get that, but I bet he gets 40 And the Yankees, there's no way the Yankees can let this guy walk. There's no way in hell. Paul checks in from Middletown, Connecticut, uh, Paul Ajiri, the the MVP of humility. It's absolutely right. I mean, you have to respect of everything with Aaron Judge. That's the thing I like the most is that he's humble about it. It's it's great to see. But then you look at Shohei Otani. And look, uh, this guy is having a better year than he did last year when he won the MVP. And last night he goes out, he takes a no-hitter. Or a perfect, yeah, no hitter into the eighth inning. It wasn't a perfect game. He walked the first guy and then set down the next 22 in a row. He's 15 and eight. He's got an ERA in the mid twos. Oh, and by the way, his batting average is about 20 points higher than it was last year when he won the MVP. So, but but the question becomes: Look, if Aaron Judge can't win the MVP this year. That means that nobody is ever going to win the MVP until Shohei Otani retires because everybody is so hung up on the fact that he pitches and that he hits. I get it. It's great. And, you know, he's doing what Babe Ruth didn't do. You know, people keep saying Babe Ruth, Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth was primarily a pitcher for the Boston Red Sox. Yeah, he played, you know, and he hit a little bit. He played some outfield, but he was 90% of the time – he was a pitcher for the Red Sox. And then when he went to the Yankees, he was an outfielder. And he played the outfield 99% of the time. He pitched very, very seldom for the Yankees. He didn't do both things at the same time the way Shohei Otani is doing. Now, Otani's not playing the outfield. He's a DH because of the you know the arm issues and everything. They don't want to risk. They, they think the pitching is more valuable, and I get that. But if Aaron Judge doesn't win it this year, no one's ever winning it until Otani retires because people are hung up on that. And I don't – look, and, and we can debate all along all you want about MVP versus greatest player. Look, MVP is a guy that is the most valuable player not just to the league but to his team. And without Aaron Judge, this Yankees team is screwed. 
Look at how much they struggled this year at times. And if it weren't for Aaron Judge, they're not leading the American League East most likely. So not only was he valuable uh, to the league as a whole, I mean, the Yankees are, are toast without him. Shohei Otani plays on a crappy team. A crappy team that's got two of the best players in baseball, and Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, and they are hideous. So, yeah, maybe Otani is the best overall player because he pitches. But I'll tell you what, not only and that's the other part about Judge, not only is he a great hitter, Jesus, don't run on him, and you got him playing center field, do not run on him. I mean, without, the, without Judge, the Yankees are nowhere. Dave Massey, absolutely right, Dave. They wouldn't be in first. Matter of fact, they might be in third behind uh, both the Rays and the Jays. I mean, they struggled even with Aaron Judge. So I think it's a no-brainer. I think we need to stop even talking about it. I mean, you know, but social media and the 24-hour news cycle, people have to have stuff to talk about. But Aaron Judge is the MVP, hands down. It it, It should be unanimous. It won't be, but it should be. 15 minutes past the hour. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Dan Zampano is going to join us to talk NFL football. We're back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 17 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call here on a Friday morning, and we are pleased to be joined by Dan Zampano of the Sunday Card. And, uh, Dan, I'm sure like everybody else last night when you watched that Cincinnati-Miami game, uh, you had to be holding your breath. Yeah, no question. I mean, I thought that it was obvious what was going on and in that game was very scary, obviously. Uh, and you never want to see something like that. And outside of the game itself, um, there's always the opportunity uh, to reflect when somebody gets hurt like that. So, you know, hopefully Tua is okay. Um, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of questions from a lot of higher-up executives in the league to see why this was the way it was. But you know what? Um, outside of that and, 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 and his health, uh, the Dolphins are exactly who I thought they were, you know, kind of a middling team. And, uh, you know, I think that we kind of saw that last night. And I can't believe, Gene, the other thing, we're at the quarter mark already in the NFL season. It's the uh, fastest season in sports. Yeah, it's, 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 been, really, it's been really fast. Um, look, you know, the, uh, the big debate with Tua is should he have even been playing? He claims he never had a concussion last week, that it was his back, and that's the reason that he stumbled, that his back locked up. And, you know, uh, supposedly he was evaluated by an independent guy, which is, by the way, that's number one. They had some independent guy come in to evaluate him before he played yesterday. That's got to be the question. Why wasn't somebody, you know, that's involved with the NFL and the whole uh, concussion issue, why, were, why weren't they the ones there evaluating whether he should play or not? Well, I think that's a great question. The other question I have, and I think, is, is this investigation that was going on by the league, is it, is it done? And from what I understood last night on the post game, is that it is not. That this is going to take multiple weeks to figure out exactly how the evaluation process went down, what he was asked by the evaluators. So right. there's a lot of questions and concerns around the health here. And again, when you see somebody like that and and, and kind of seize up like that, um, that is very scary and dangerous. And that is um, cause and impact. I know there's a lot of it's hard to it's hard to you know look at some of these doctors on Twitter and like, you know <laughs> see exactly what they're saying. Right. 
or like trying to trying to decipher exactly what's going on here. Um, it's it's a little fishy. Uh, you know, you don't really know what to believe. We got to let the process happen. But obviously, something went wrong, um, and, and and it turns out somebody's probably going to have to pay for it at the end of the day. Um, so we get let's get to the actual game last night and the other part of this. And you're right. I mean, you look at the fact that uh, uh, whether they had to or, or whether they not they didn't. They were kind of overmatched last night. Um, you got to give the the Bengals defense a lot of credit, but to, to me, the credit for the entire game last night goes to the Bengal offensive line. They only allowed once mm. one sack last night, and they only allowed what two last week. So after a, a hitting first couple of weeks, it looks like maybe that revamped Bengals offensive line is kind of getting its act together. Yeah, I thought it would take a couple of weeks for them to come together. I mean, you got good players on that line. You got Lyle Collins, Alex Kappa. They moved Jonah Williams to left tackle, their high-priced first-round pick from a couple of years ago. Um, look, I also thought Joe Burrow did a very, very good Houdini impression, too. <laughs> I mean, he was under a lot of pressure. Yep. Um, and he did a good job of escaping that pressure. Yeah, they only allowed one sack. And I was surprised how little the Dolphins blitz. We knew that the Dolphins are the number one blitz team in the league. Uh, and they, they, you know, maybe Burrow, uh, you know, can beat us over the top. They really sat back and made sure that Burrow just kind of dinked and dunked the whole night. It wasn't an impressive game by any means, really, for Burrow until Xavier Howard went out of the game. Right. Uh, I thought that that was a key, key thing that happened. And even in the first half when they finally went down the field, they beat Xavier Howard deep for a touchdown with T. Higgins. That was a shocking play because Howard was in position to make that play. I thought that that was more of a key than even when Tua went out of the game and Teddy Bridgewater came and actually continued the offense pretty well. I think they'll be okay. But credit the Bengals. They made the plays they needed to make late in the game, got, getting down the field, uh, and getting some key interceptions too. I mean, they got an interception to Tua. They got one of Teddy Bridgewater. Um, I thought the Bengals were really, really good. I, I still worry about how explosive their offense is and how Jamar Chase fits into it with them seeing a lot of cover two high shells, but you know, a win is a win is a win in the NFL and they got to play Baltimore next week. So we'll see how that one goes. How concerned are you? If you are a Bengals fan, the fact that they are really struggling running the football. I mean, Mixon last night averaged about two and a half a carry and he's only, I think he's averaging less than three yards a carry through the first four games of the season. Is that concerning if you're a Bengals fan? I don't think they run Mixon nearly enough or the right way. Um, I think he should get the ball a lot more, a lot more. Yep. Uh, he, he, to me, is clearly one of the best athletes out there. His legs are so strong. Um, and, and to me, putting guys like Samadji P. Ryan in the game and stuff like that, I mean, it just doesn't really make much sense to me. I, I wish this guy could get 20, 25 touches a game. I mean, he's fantastic. So I think they do have some, some kinks to work out. But like we said, you know, I thought the Bengals were a little bit of a mirage last year. I think that they will obviously regress. Um, and I'm not a huge fan of Zach Taylor. I don't think he's the greatest play caller in the world, and he got bailed out a lot last year in the playoffs. But, um, yeah, I mean, the Bengals are kind of reverting back to a middling team that they were back in the uh, mid-2010s. Uh, a couple of uh, results last week I want to talk about, and uh, we've already talked about what the Dolphins did this week, but what they did last week in beating the Buffalo Bills, which is kind of what makes this loss this week sting a little bit more. I mean, that was kind of a uh, what could have been a signature win for that Dolphin team last week, and to come out and lose this week kind of hurts a little bit more. But, 
I mean, that was a great performance last week by that Dolphin defense. And, you know, you, you forced Josh Allen to throw the ball 63 times. I mean, he did what he could. But, uh, you know, that that was a shocking result last week. Yeah, it was absolutely shocking. Especially the fact team like, look, you know, I do my power ratings every week. And every week so far, the Dolphins have won games. And I just haven't moved them that much. Right. They, they're now in the top 15. Um, but to me, can, let's be honest about that game. The Dolphins were outgained by almost 300 yards yep. in that game. Right. They had 91 plays run on that defense. Right. They had 15 or 16 less first downs. They had the ball 20 minutes less than the Bills. And somehow, by the grace of God himself, they were able to win that game. I just do not understand it at all. And look, give credit where credit is due. They were opportunistic. The Bills kind of threw up on themselves at the end of the first half with yep. Josh Allen in the clock situation. Right. They did it again at the end of the game. Ken Dorsey went nuts in the in the booth. It was crazy. But, um, you know, to me, the, the whole thing predicates on Miami has taken advantage of other teams' ineptitude. Right. That That's why they've won these games. And I think last night – it's, it was happening again last night um, until two got hurt. And once that happened, I thought a lot of the wins uh, got taken out of their sails, and then Xavier Howard goes down as well. So you can only overcome so much. But, again, the team is not a bad team. I wouldn't characterize them that way, but I don't think they're the team that people put number one in power rankings. That, that's just it's an overreaction. They're, they're winning games, you know, again, off of the incompetency of other teams. Right, right. Well, the other game that was uh, the biggest eye-opener probably last week was the Colts beating the Kansas City mm. Chiefs 20-17 uh, to 17, uh, with uh, Methuselah a <laughs> Playing quarterback for the for the Indianapolis Colts, uh, but I think the shocking thing to me in this game was the fact that the Kansas City Chiefs could not run the football at all. When you're when Patrick Mahomes is your leading rusher, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had seven carries for zero yards. I mean, to me, the that was the game right there. They could not move the ball on the ground, and and they kind of forced Mahomes to beat him. Well, listen, I mean. At the end of the day, the Chiefs are just not a running football team. No, well, then, uh, but you got to run and, it better than that. You do have to run it better than that, but I, I give I give the most of the blame here to the coaching staff. I mean, the special teams was egregious. I mean, it was horrible. You have a, a, a field goal that you're going to take up by four, you know, with with six minutes left in the game or however much time was left in the game, and you're going to run a fake field goal. Right. And you have Patrick Mahomes right. uh, on the sideline. Yeah. I mean, why not just go for it? I mean, seriously, like, what are we doing here? They, then they miss another field goal. I mean, uh, this is this is a Three Stooges episode. I mean, it really was for them. And, and you know, the Colts obviously got out in front early, but the Chiefs controlled most of that game. It was yep. another game where the Colts played poorly, but the Chiefs made so many mistakes, and the Colts just capitalized on them. They need Harrison Butker back in Big the time. worst way. They Big need time. their kicker back yeah. so bad because yep. that other guy, he stinks. I mean, I don't know whether he's kicking with his eyes closed or <laughs> what he's doing, but I, 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 he stinks. Well, he's, he's, un- he's, stinks. he's unemployed and, now. And, and it's another Andy Reid end of the end of the game screw up, you know that that he has from time to time. So I don't. I don't put any stock in the Chiefs losing that game. I thought it was a complete fluke. I think they'll be better, and I don't think the Colts are any good. I have the Colts rated 32nd. My power ratings are terrible. Uh, perhaps, you know, and, and I guess this would probably be another game where people 
Uh, eyebrows went up a little bit, although not so much because the Seahawks aren't as great as they used to be. But the Atlanta Falcons, and you know, it was funny. You said a couple of weeks ago, you know, the Falcons may not win a lot of games, but they're going to be in games. And I thought that this was a perfect example of that last week. They hung around and they hung around, and the, the Seahawks just couldn't get it going. They got up early uh, and they led at halftime, but uh, second half, the Seattle Seahawks were nowhere to be found, and, and the Falcons win that game. Well, the Falcons, you know, they're a bad team, but so are the Seahawks. I mean, the Seahawks are just not very good. Yeah. Uh, let's be honest with it. And, 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 you know, at the end of the day, the Falcons, I think, do have a dynamic offense. I know you hate analytics, and I do too to a degree, but, you know, those DVOA numbers, yeah, they, yeah. you know, yeah. they, they tell telecouple things. They are ace in passing DVOA. I mean, they're really they're, – they're, they are dynamic offense. Cordell Patterson is like right. – I mean, this guy might turn into a Hall of Famer. I mean, it's unbelievable what he's doing. He's, he's done it kick returning and receiving and running back. He's played like all three positions. He's incredible. He's been great. They finally got Kyle Pitts involved in the, in the offense. That was huge for them. Um, so I, I think if they continue to do that, it is going to be really hard for, for teams to match up with London and Pitts on the outside. They're tough to stop. Now, they're deep – Defense stinks out loud, but their offense is pretty good. <laughs> um, if you're, uh, if is Geno Smith the future quarterback in Seattle? Uh, he's the future quarterback in Seattle. Like I am the future president of Guatemala. Okay. Let's put it that way. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, you know, I mean, I just, you know, you, you, People were spoiled there for so long with having Russell Wilson, although Russell Wilson isn't exactly setting the world on fire in Denver. But, uh, you know, he's still probably – they probably, if they had their choice, they'd probably still rather have uh, Russell Wilson, I would think. But, uh, you know, he did he did throw for 325 yards last week. His quarterback rating was still – you know, it wasn't awful. He still had a rating of about like, – right around 100, I think. So, I mean, he hasn't played awful. No, he hasn't, been, but he's a placeholder. Okay. Like they'll be drafted. There's there's plenty of quarterbacks to get drafted next year. Okay. Plenty. All right. Uh, let's get to the uh, uh, the Patriots last week, and yeah. you know, <laughs> uh, you know, and and it's it's awful that Mac Jones got hurt and the Patriots are screwed. But Mac Jones wasn't playing well before he got hurt. Um, this was about what I expected, wasn't it from you? You know, in my heart of hearts, I really thought the Patriots could win that game. I really didn't. I think they played well enough to win the game until Mac Jones started throwing up balloons and, and turned the ball over. Right. Um, and, and honestly, that's been the problem all year. The Patriots are, are in the bottom five in the league in turnover differential. When is the last time that you saw a Patriot team not take care of the ball like this? Right, yeah. I mean, it's terrible. I mean, it's terrible. I mean, it's the number one thing that will kill a team is turnovers. And and they had Mac Jones throwing up a ball in the end zone to Devontae Parker, who probably should have, yeah, he probably should have fought more in in through the through the corner. But you know what? You just can't throw a ball up like that. You can't be throwing off a hitch route off that, you know, um, off that play action pass. You just can't be throwing the ball directly at a linebacker. I mean, it just, it can't happen. And, and and to me, I think part of it is Mac Jones. I think I think probably half of it was Mac Jones. I think the other half of it is Matt Patricia's play calling. Again, I mean, I I, I am so out. I mean, this is this is so much worse than I thought. I mean, it really is. And it, it's just there's no plan to set up the game. You know, it's like when you're a play caller, you want to set up the game 
so that other teams have to adjust, and then you bang, you you hit them with something new. And he is so predictable. The, the case in point, that fourth and three call when they threw the out route to Kendrick Bourne was so egregiously bad, and the and the Ravens knew it immediately. Right. I mean, it's just terrible. It's just terrible football. And look, yes, Mac Jones is out. There's no question. I think, oddly enough, with Brian Hoyer playing, they're just going to get so conservative that, that I, I, as he's going to make so many low-risk throws. I mean, it's going to be hard for him to turn them all over. Well, uh, you know, so yeah, I, that, that's my prerogative. So I, I don't know where to go with this team. I think they're going to figure it out. They, they usually do at, like, at the end of the month of September. But right now it's really bad. Well, I th- and I, but I think you're right. I think figuring it out is going is what they usually do. But it's going to depend on how long Mac Jones is really out for. And you know, it's it's been so funny reading the Boston Globe this week, and you know, they're trying to convince people, oh, the injury isn't as bad as you think. You know, Bill Belichick saying, oh, he's made remarkable progress in 48 hours, and yet you read a lot of times where. Yeah, this this kind of injury is a kind of injury that often results in in surgery. So what's what's the truth here? And and if Brian Hoyer is your quarterback for the next six eight weeks, this team is pretty much dead in the water, aren't they? I mean, in a way, yes, but in a way, no. I, I would say this: after this Packer game, which is going to be really hard, um, they played Detroit, they played the Jets twice, they play they play a couple of bad teams. I think they play the okay. Bears. Yep. I mean, uh, you know, there's the, the the middle of that schedule is is very soft. Okay. So, I, I'm cautious to say that yeah, you can hold on hope, but <laughs> with that schedule, it's not it's not a terrible schedule. So, you know, Brian Hoyer, we're gonna. I mean, he hasn't started a game in, in five years, and the last time we saw him Awful. was up in Kansas City, yeah. and he threw up on himself. <laughs> I just, I wanted to throw my phone up a freaking window. But, I mean, it's just, you know, I, I do think that they still have a great defense, a good defense. I wouldn't say a great defense. And I, and I still think that the running game, I I mean, there's no better offensive player right now than Ramondre Stevenson. Right. He is so good. It, he is incredible to watch. He should really be the starter. And I love having Damian Harris and him as a one-two punch. I mean, it's fantastic. But Ramondre Stevenson is such a great athlete. So, I still think they can run the ball to win the win games. I do believe that. So I'm not going to put my, the cart before the horse and say the season is over. I, I do think that Mac will return at some point in, you know, sometime in the next four to six weeks, I assume. Um, but I do think he'll return soon. Leader in the clubhouse for league MVP, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, or Josh Allen? Who's the leader in the clubhouse right mm. now? You know, I, I put out a ranking system every week. Uh, you know, it's razor thin. It's razor thin, but I'm still going to still gonna go Josh Allen. Okay. I'm still going to go Josh Allen here. Um, I, I do think that he has just played fantastic. Lamar is so close. I mean, Lamar is leading the league in touchdowns. He's leading the league in passer rate. He's third in yards per attempt. And, oh, yeah, he's fourth overall in the league in rushing. Right. I mean, How about that's... That? Really incredible. That's, he's incredible. Yeah. I mean, I, the guy bet on himself, and he is, you know, said, screw your $250 million. Give me that fully guaranteed. I'm not taking no Russell Wilson contract, Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray. I want a Lamar contract. And Lamar is unique, and he, I should have a unique contract. And, and I've been saying, you know, I, this guy is a top-five quarterback in the league because of his unique skill set. I, I really think that. I, I really believe that. So, 
you know, to me, I think it's great. And I think Hertz has been fantastic too. He's going to have to put up big numbers to beat Lamar, but I think he's been great. So um, I have tickets on Lamar. I have tickets on Hertz to, to win this thing. Uh, I feel really good about both of them. So I, I feel pretty good, but I'll, I'll stick with Josh Allen for now. But this weekend's game may determine the front runner. Uh, last week's uh, uh, big game that everybody was looking forward to was the Aaron Rodgers-Tom Brady matchup. The Packers win that game 14-12. to Tom Brady looked more like the Tom Brady we're used to. Um, he got off to a pretty good start in this one. I mean, he he was under pressure a lot of the day, though. I mean, that's the his offensive line uh, did not do a great job last week. No. No, and they haven't done a good job all season. And and it's because they've been Swiss cheese and they've had injuries. So, you know, to me, and, and going up against the Packers front, that is really good. Uh, yeah, there's, there's no question that that, that that game was very, uh, first off, underwhelming. But yes. I do agree with you that I characterized Brady as he played well. So many turnovers by his teammates. Yep. I mean, that that was a major problem. They even got an interception on Aaron Rodgers defensively, right. and they just could not turn it into points. It was so frustrating to watch for them, and then to have a delay of game uh, on oh. a two point play is so egregious. I mean, that's just coaching who, practice, and I'm shocked. I'm who, shocked who is who is that on? I mean, a lot of people are killing Brady for that, saying that it's inexcusable. But you you put it more on the coaching staff. I mean. Yes and no. I don't know what time the play was called in. Right. And Brady's seeing something there. They don't have a timeout. He probably didn't love the call, obviously. <laughs> uh, they didn't convert it. Right. Um, so, you know, to me, uh, yeah, that, that's an odd, strange thing to speculate on. Uh, to me, the Bucks offense has to be better. Their defense is fantastic. They just they have to find a way to run the football and let's, you know, they were without Mike Evans and right. they were without Russell Gage, right. or I'm sorry, uh, Chris Godwin, yep. uh, you know, that once they get these guys back, like, you know, I, I know people are trying to kill them. They're two and one. They don't, they're not fully healthy. They're going to be fine. Right. They're going to be right there. Probably with a chance to go to the NFC title game. I have no faith. I'm sorry. I have no quarrels about, saying that this team is still a Super Bowl contender, because they are. Uh, speaking of underwhelming games, the Broncos and the 49ers last week. Ugh. I mean, look, it's you know it's already Monday night, and you know it's it's a late game, and this was a snooze fest. I had I, I had to work really hard <laughs> to stay awake because this game was just awful. Uh, Melvin Gordon uh, <laughs> helps the Broncos win it, but my God. God, was this brutal. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like taking your dog out for a walk and he just doesn't want to go. You just <laughs> sit there and you just keep pulling on the leash. And, and it, yeah, and it's, 25, mean, and it's 25 and sleeting out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that was some bad offensive football. Yeah. Some bad offensive football. I thought those two teams were, I mean, evenly matching. It made so much sense that they were one. it was a one-point game. Yeah, but not 11 to 10. it made so much sense that how... Yeah, not 11 to 10. I mean, oh, my goodness. I mean, 11 to 10, you know, I mean, talk about that. I mean, you, you probably have baseball games that score higher than that. I mean, <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's crazy. You know, I mean, that that was bad. But, um, yeah, no, I think uh, I, I think that Denver continues to struggle. Their whole offense was Russell Wilson running the football. Um, and they got a couple passes here and there. Jimmy just, I mean, they moved it in the first half. It was a got away from that zone run scheme. They just got away from it. And 
And I don't know why right now Kyle is going to have to figure out what the problem is. And, and, and I'll tell you, honestly, what one of the biggest problems is, is the biggest problem on the field is not having your best offensive lineman, Trent Williams. Right is a massive, massive blow to the 49ers offense. So you could tell as soon as Trent Williams went out, I mean, they had a major issue at left tackle. So um, they they would love to have him back. He's going to be gone for a few weeks. There's no question about that. So they're going to have to figure it out without him. Look, they still have a great defense. The Broncos still have a great defense. The Broncos, if they can just figure out their offense, they're a wagon. I mean, their defense is so good. So – they just really have to figure out, maybe get the ball to Javante Williams a little more. You love him. That was a terrible game. Yep. <laughs> no other way to put it. Um, the, yep. sky, the sky is falling in Las Vegas. The Raiders are 0-3. My God. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, again, if, you, if now if you're a Raider fan, are we panicking yet? Well, you got to play Denver this week and you got to win this game. I mean, if you go all in four, the season's pretty much over. Right. So, uh, yeah, I think that there's major, major cause for concern. I think it's a must-win game this week, obviously. Uh, look, Derek Carr has not played well. Like, bottom line, that he, he has been the issue. And you would think with more weapons involved that they would be better, and they just aren't. Uh, Tennessee shut them down for most of that game, and he had a great chance at a comeback. They blew the game against Arizona so badly. They had a chance to beat the Chargers early. I don't know. I mean, is it the offensive scheme? I'm not so sure it is. I I really think Derek Carr has to raise his level of play tremendously. they got to be better in the red zone. Haven't been good there. The Raiders is absolutely a must, must, must win game against the Broncos this weekend. Well, that and that's that was going to be my next question was about the offensive scheme. I mean, you've got McDaniel's coming over from the Patriots, and obviously there's a, a lot of new things going on there. So, is this just a case of Carr just not getting up to speed as quickly as he needs to? Yeah, I still think he's adjusting, and and, and now there's no more time to adjust. I mean, now now it's time to go win the game. And, and Devontae Adams is obviously unhappy, um, you know, but it's not like they haven't gotten the ball to these to their players. It's like Darren Waller, too. I mean, he's another guy that, that needs to step up. I mean, you can't be dropping balls in the, in the red zone like that. Right. I mean, you just can't do it. So, you know, you're, you're getting paid a ton of money. You got your contract. You know, it, now it's time, baby. Now it's time to go. Go prove why you, why you got it. So, you know, the Raiders, I, I still think that they are a great team, that, that they can be a great team. But right now, if you continue to lose football games, you're just not you're going to be left out of the conversation because if you look at the AFC. I mean, it is so tough. I don't think we have a great team in the league this year. I think it's very, very crowded, and that's why it makes it so hard when you're when you're under when you're when you're the zero and three team. I mean, you're an zero and three team this week. Um, that that you know the the last team that the, they're the last team to be zero and three. Okay, there isn't another team that has like you know, three straight losses. And the last time that happened, the last time there was one own three team gene, you have to go back to 1959. Wow. For that. Really? Detroit lions, Detroit lions in 1959. They were three, eight and one that year after starting own three. They were the only team in the league that was own three. So not a good look for Las Vegas. Dan Zampano doing his homework, digging back to 1959. Wow. Uh, all right, let's get to yeah, right, right before you were born. Let- sure. <laughs> you- 
Thanks. Uh, let's uh, <laughs> let's get to this week's games. Uh, and uh, you went four and three last week, eleven and ten on the season. So you're you're over five hundred, but just barely. Uh, I'm not going to have you pick the Green Bay uh, New England game this week because there's just no point. My only que- my only question is is will Green Bay cover? No, or ten point I, favorite. I love the Patriots. I love the Patriots this week to cover. Oh, okay. I love it. All right. All yeah, right. I, I think it'll be close. The Green Bay offense is, no, is is nowhere near where it was last year. I think the Patriots cover that game. All right, let's get to this week's games. Um, Minnesota is at New Orleans. Minnesota bounces back. They get the win last week. It was uh, uh, not a great win. Uh, you know, Kirk Cousins was okay, but he still wasn't great. Uh, New Orleans doesn't know whether Jameis Winston is going to be able to play, and the way he played last week, it may be just as well. Supposedly, it's 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 a bad back. Um, the game is at 9.30 in the morning here on the East Coast. Minnesota is a two-and-a-half-point favorite in London. Yeah, I hate this game. This game stinks. <laughs> I know, that's I why, mean, I, that's it's, why it's, I'm making it, you pick it. <laughs> yeah, you, 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 you really, you know, uh, I, I, I'm not happy with you. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> this is a, it's okay. Um, the, the Saints, I mean, talk about a team underwhelming. I mean, they have their, it's not just Jameis. Like it, it is their defense. I mean, they are, I don't know what happened. I, I don't know what happened. I thought this defense would be better. They added the honey badger. Um, I mean, you know, this is a team that, you know, has been a top defense in the league for quite some time. They can't figure it out. Um, if Andy Dalton starts, I mean, this makes the pick a lot easier, but, um, <laughs> but you know, Kirk Cousins, you know, they got to find a, a way to get Justin Jefferson the ball. I mean, right. he has not been good for two games. And O'Connell mentioned it this week. He said, I, I got to do a better job putting him in different situations. You know, I'm not going to tell you to, to take a side on this game because Cousins are the favorite. I mean, as I say in London, is a bit of a wanker <laughs> when he's a favorite. So um, I, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Vikings win, but I, I have no play on this game. All right. Um, another interesting game just based on uh, the results last week. Tennessee is at Indianapolis. Uh, the Colts are a three-and-a-half-point favorite. And, and I have to be honest, I think that's a little high because I just think Tennessee's a better team. I think that, uh, you know, I thought Indianapolis did a good job last week, sort of. I mean, it's a great win, but I still think Tennessee's a better better team here. I don't think Indianapolis did anything last week to show me that they're a good team. I mean, they're bad in every statistical category. They're bad. Now, the that what's weird though is that they are three and a half point favorites. Right. That 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 Strange. that weirds me out. Yeah. So I think the Colts either cover or they lose the game outright. So I'm going to go with the latter. I think the Titans win this game, um, and I think Derrick Henry finally finds a way to run the football the way he wants to run the football. They, they go through uh, that team like a hot knife through butter on the ground, and, and they get Henry the ball, and they ro- rock and roll to a win. Uh, so I think uh, the Titans outright victory. Uh, this is an interesting game. Uh, Jacksonville is at Philly. Philly's a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Jacksonville rolled the Chargers last week. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that last week, so I don't know if Jacksonville – the 38 points and you know and the, the margin of victory is that uh, a true indication of what the way that game should have been. Uh, Philly's a six and a half point favorite at home. Well, hold on. Okay. The Jags were a seven point dog. They in were. That game. I know. I get it. And they won by four touchdowns. I mean, we got to give some credit here to Jacksonville. You know, I mean, like nobody 
thought that they were going to win that game. No, I didn't. Obviously. So, you know, I mean, I, I've been saying it. Like, the Jags are a good team. I know. you got them in they the playoffs. They are a good team. And, but the problem is that I also have the Eagles in the Super Bowl. <laughs> so this is a really, really difficult one for me. There's a step-up in competition, though, for Jacksonville. Right. They, they haven't played a lot of good teams. I think this is a really tough game for them. This is going to be a, a wet game. It's going to be a lot of rain, a lot of wind. Uh, two teams that I think are going to want to run the football because they want to expose the one thing that the Eagles don't do well is they give up 5.4 yards per carry on the ground. Uh, so that's the one thing they don't do well. And I think if James Robinson has a great game, Jacksonville can win it. I think this game is super, super close. I give this like a 21-20 vibe to me, but I'm going to take the Eagles to find a way to win it with their special teams because Jake Elliott's a really good kicker. I think that he'll come into play here, especially in the weather conditions. All right, the must-win game, uh, probably for both teams. Denver is at Vegas. Vegas is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I love Vegas, man. I, I, I love them. I, I think that they are a, a good offense, even though they haven't played well in car. Carr has all the potential in the world. I just don't think they win this game. I, I, really? I do not. I think I think Denver comes out and, 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 and is starting to build off of this. I know it's a surprise to many, but I love the Denver defense. It's one of the best in the league. And I think that their offense, though it has been stagnant, and though their coach has been a, um, you know, probably should be, you know, institutionalized for some of his decisions. <laughs> um I, I think I think that at the end of the day, Russell Wilson's going to figure it out. Okay. And I think if they can run the ball on the Raiders, which I think they can, I, I think Denver can win this game on the road. So I'm going to take the Broncos to get a, go to three and one. And unfortunately for me, you know that means that the Raiders are probably going to go to zero and four, and probably the season has been lost. But still got that Broncos ticket still for for AFC too. So we'll see how that goes. If if Vegas goes 0-4, and if Vegas doesn't make the playoffs, is there a chance that Josh McDaniels is a one-and-done there? I don't think so. I, I I can't imagine that they do. Mark Davis is not a stupid guy, as, as bad of a haircut as he has. I mean, he's not a stupid guy. Um, but I think that McDaniels is obviously trying to figure out, you know, is Carr the person that he wants there? I think he saw a lot in Carney likes him. I think the Raiders will get better as the season goes on. I just don't think they can put themselves in an 0-4 hole and still get to the playoffs. So that would be, take a lot. So I think they will get better. I, I, if they show progress in the second half, he'll be fine. Uh, Buffalo is at Baltimore. Perhaps, uh, well, there's a couple of marquee games. This would be one of the two, I think. Buffalo is a three-point favorite on the road at Baltimore with perhaps the two best quarterbacks in the NFL right now playing against each other. Yeah, great game. Um, Buffalo off a loss. You would imagine that they've got a little more urgency. My concern with both teams is the injuries. I mean, I think that Buffalo, they're going to get some guys back, but not sure if Jordan Phillips is going to play. Not sure uh, if Deion Dawkins is, is, is healthy right now. Uh, to play at the tackle position, they're already not great on the offensive line. Um, you know that they're they're starting cornerback Benford. He is still got a broken hand, so we'll see how they do. Micah Hyde's out for the year. 
And then for the Ravens, Justin Houston's probably not going to play. But sounds like Ronnie Stanley is good to go at left tackle. So that that gives me a little bit of effort. You know, the thing about the Ravens, and we, we love Lamar, love Lamar, love Lamar. He's fantastic, right? I thought that last week's success came because J.K. Dobbins was back in the lineup. Mm-hmm. I, I really believe that. I mean, they needed a real running back back there to, to, to start some efficiency. And, and, and with Lamar actually having the threat of handing it off, and then they run those C-gap plays, right. I thought the Ravens did a great job. They're going to have to play better in the secondary. There's no question about that. But this is going to be a wet, sloppy game in the rain. And contrary to popular belief, Buffalo, I know they're from Buffalo, I don't think they're built for a weather like that. I really don't. I don't think their team is designed to play in a tough weather environment. I haven't seen them play well in a weather game at all uh, since uh, since last year, even. So I, I'm I'm going to go Baltimore here. I think they win the game at home. It's going to be a good time. It's going to be a good time eating crab cakes, reading Edgar Allan Poe in the rain <laughs> with the telltale heart, and uh, Buffalo is going to suffer the consequences. So the sky will be falling in Buffalo next week. No problem. No, easily. I mean, when they lose. I think teams, people will be like, oh, my gosh, Buffalo, like it's happening again. But I'd, I think it'll be overblown. So Baltimore, still a great team. They'll win this game in a sloppy contest, probably low scoring as well. The other marquee game of the week uh, will be the Sunday night game. Kansas City is at Tampa Bay. Uh, Kansas City is a one-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. You know, this is probably the least amount of hype I've seen for this type of a matchup, mm-hmm. you know, in a while. I mean, I don't, I haven't heard anything. This game has not been talked about that much. I mean, you know, I think the only thing around it is because there's a hurricane right. and, and that, you know, now they're going to play it in Tampa. But, you know, to me, this comes down to the Bucks offense. Bucks offense. Can they weather the storm? Because I think their defense can do a lot of damage. Kansas City's offense is not as explosive as it was last year. And I think the reason for that is obvious. No Tyreek Hill's not there, right? Right, exactly. So so to me, can their offense expose the Chiefs defense? The Chiefs defense is actually playing pretty decent. They're actually playing okay. So, you know, to me, it has to be Brady managing the game Evans has to have a big game. They have to basically do what they did to them in the Super Bowl. Is they have to get after Mahomes, right? Uh, and, and and force him out of the pocket to make difficult throws. And then on offense, um, they're they're going to have to expose the secondary. Expose the secondary. That's better. I mean, this is a better secondary. It's a better linebacking core uh, right now for for uh, for Kansas City. And they have they've gotten a lot of pressure. I mean, Karloftis, the kid out of Purdue, has been good. So, you know, to me, I worry about the Bucks' offensive line, handling him, handling Chris Jones. But I think the Bucks win this game. I think they find a way to win the game. I, I really do. I think, I think at the end of the day, Kansas City's offense just not being as explosive, going up against his Bucks defense, it's going to be much, much harder. And I think they're still trying to figure things out. And the special teams worries me for, for Kansas City. I mean, that, that, that whole kicking situation is a mess. If it comes down to it and the special teams is there, I'm going to go Bucks. I'm going to take the Bucks to win the game. And then the Monday night game, uh, San Francisco is a point and a half favorite against the Rams at home, and I'm a little bit surprised by this. Although I guess the the only I think the only reason this is the case is the Rams defense has struggled a little bit here early in the season. But uh, does Jimmy G have enough to beat this Rams team? 
Well, they played better last week, and I think I think that uh, that was against the Cardinals, and I, I think right. the Cardinals are horrendous. But you know, I think the Rams have won a lot of ugly games. Yes, um, they haven't been consistent. They've been playing one half of football each game, basically. Um, you know, and their offense struggled again last week. So you know, I, I, the offense struggled in week one. It's, uh, they played the Bills, and then for the second half against Atlanta, they didn't really do much. And then last week they only scored 20 points. So I mean, you know, fumbling at the goal line and just little mistakes here and there. They're like, you know, they're right there to fix it. They're kind of like the Broncos. They're mm-hmm. right there to fix it, but they haven't quite fixed it yet. I think San Francisco. Look, historically Kyle Shanahan has owned Sean McVay. I know last year everybody looks at the NFC title game. That's not the case. I mean, historically San Francisco has dominated them, but Trent Williams being out hurts them a lot. They're going to have to figure out something big time. Now they still have a good offensive line, but they got to figure something out big time to, to to combat that. So I don't like it, but I am reluctantly going to take the San Francisco 49ers to win the game because uh, I think their defense is playing lights out uh, and and getting after people. So I'll take the 49ers to win. And uh, where is uh, Liberty this week? Are they at home? At Old Dominion, okay. uh, Saturday should be a t- it, it's going to be a great game. I, I think it's going to be very evenly matched. Uh, would be a great win for the bowl uh, bowl game purposes. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be a fun fun weekend uh, out in Norfolk to, to play in a, in kind of a little bit. It sounds like the rain's like kind of holding off. We'll see what happens. But yeah, Liberty Old Old Dominion in a battle in the Commonwealth. Dan Zampano, big weekend coming up. Liberty on Saturday, NFL football on Sunday. Dan, thanks for a few minutes this morning, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you next week. Thanks, Dean. You're the best. God bless. All right. Dan Zampano here on Sports Country Radio. That's going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Wake Up Call. We leave you this morning with some Zach Brown. I play the road. Have a great weekend. We'll see you. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.